0: Let's pray. Father, we ask for you to speak today. Help us to hear what you have to say to us through the Gospel of Luke, but especially through these two witnesses, Simeon and Anna. Holy Spirit, I pray you would be upon us just as you were upon them to help us to see you, to receive you. Lord, I pray you guide my words, Lord. I pray I would speak your truth. And Lord, even help us in a morning that is quiet, relaxed. Maybe some of us are tired from what we did last night or what the week has been or even just the emotions of a new year, Lord. I pray you would help us to sense your peace and draw near to you during this time. May the words of my mouth and the meditations of our hearts be holy and pleasing to you. Amen. My personality is one where it's very easy for me to want to look back. I can get very reflective. It's just my personality. I'm sure many of you are very surprised by that. Um, I'm very, very reflective, and New Year's triggers that for me. I don't know if it triggers anyone else, where I just want to sit at a window, look at the frosty snow, and just like journal, and have like a little candle flicking somewhere. You know, I, 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 I start to really think about what the year's been like. And you know, maybe you're wired that way, maybe you're not. But many of us, we do think about what were the good things of the past year, and many of us also think about the disappointments. We think about, man, why did this happen the way that happened? If you go back a whole year, you think there's so many things that have taken place. I can't believe how many things have taken place in a year. And I saw this poem re- this week that really kind of captured some of what I experience when I do this reflection. It's by an author named William Blake. He who binds to himself a joy... Does the winged life destroy? He who kisses the joy as it flies lives in eternity's sunrise. That's William Blake. So, one of the challenging things when you look back is to not get caught up in the past, to not get caught up in the disappointments. There's something about an open handedness to looking back to the many things happening in a year and to receive them and say, This is a good thing. This is a joy. I can settle, I can take this. This is a joy. I can receive this. Because so much of the reflective process you realize in your present, I'm still waiting for things to happen that never happened. I'm still waiting for change to happen. I thought this was going to be a different kind of year, and yet much of the same thing still happened. Waiting for something new. I thought something new was going to happen. I thought I was going to get a new job. I was going to find a new partner, or something new was going to change in my family that was going to be better. And yet the same stuff showed up again around Christmas. Sometimes we're waiting for some of the nagging pains, some of the horrifying pains of life to finally go away. I think back to the season we just finished of Advent, which impresses upon all of us this waiting. You're waiting. Every week you're building and waiting for Christmas to actually be here. And in one part it is true that Christmas has come, you know, in the liturgical year Christ was born. But in another sense it's not true And that waiting is much more a part of the Christian life and following Jesus than sometimes we care to admit. That we actually are called to a way of waiting that is uncomfortable, that's annoying. Most of us don't want to wait all day, all these days back to back. And the thing that I want to reflect on with you, looking at these stories from Simeon and Anna, is that you can't sustain this kind of waiting in life without wonder. You can't sustain this kind of waiting in life without wonder. You can't wait if you're anxious, if you've become jaded in some way, if you've found yourself just focusing on yourself, you know, being self focused. Wonder takes you out of it. What is wonder? Wonder is beholding beauty and goodness that is outside of yourself. It's amazement, it's the brilliant, it's the surprising, it's the awesome and inspiring. What you look at, and when you look at it, you can't even believe your eyes. It's that wonderful. And everything about God begins and ends with wonder, because he is the God of wonders. And this includes everything naturally beautiful Everything that's originally magnificent and preemptively powerful. Wonder is both the spirit of anticipation and present excitement. And there is no greater wonder than the God who comes. So, this morning, what we're going to do, you might be wondering, well, how do I wonder? How do I wait and wonder? We're going to look at Simeon and Anna. I have to keep correcting myself because I want to say Anna because of Frozen. I have to make sure I don't say Anna. If I say Anna, you can laugh at me. It's okay. I'll try to say Anna. But we're going to look at their lives. This is right after the Christmas story, if you look at that in Luke. Right after Jesus has been born, what's the next thing that happens? And you immediately see these people who've been waiting. And as we look at them, and I will offer to you, these are people that not just waited, they waited with wonder. And it looks like three ways. Waiting with wonder looks like consolation by the Spirit. Waiting with wonder blesses the world. And waiting with wonder shapes People for grateful witness. Waiting with wonder results in consolation, it blesses the world, and it shapes people for grateful witness. Now, if you look at Luke 2, if you have your Bible open, Luke 2, you can even go back and look at some of the past sections. You'll see, well, wow, Jesus was born in Luke 2. We're in the same chapter that Jesus was born. And in this, you see the expected and the extraordinary combined. Luke takes us to this moment where Mary and Joseph are in Jerusalem. It's after eight days have passed where Jesus was circumcised. And in this, you see a little note about purification of rites. I won't go into too many details about this, except you should know in Leviticus and Exodus that not only were firstborn supposed to be consecrated, but also there is a, a, a sort of an amount of di- days, 36 days after a woman gave birth that they would stay away to and then come back to the temple to be declared clean and whole and good. And yeah, you can look at Leviticus 12 if you want to learn more about that. It's very interesting. There's all these different details that Luke's referencing about a pair of doves and two young pigeons. But what's important, I think, about Mary and Joseph is not just that they're doing these things, but they're being faithful and acting in obedience to what God's asked. And you read in verse 25, that's where I want us to pick up. That's what I'll read right now for the first aspect of waiting with wonder. But read verse 25 with me again. Now there was a man in Jerusalem called Simeon who was righteous and devout, and he was waiting for the consolation of Israel, and the Holy Spirit was on him. This tells us the first aspect of waiting with wonder. This kind of wonder, when you're really looking in to the beauty of what God has made and who he is. Waiting with wonder actually results in consolation. Now, Simeon, if you look at Simeon, it tells us a few really interesting facts about Simeon. Um, he's a common everyday man. And what I mean by that is Simeon was as common as maybe like something like a Chris or like a John. It's a very common name. Um, And he was an everyday person from what we know. Many people think, oh, Simeon probably was older in life because we learned that he was promised to see the Messiah at one point in his life. So maybe he's older. And then it tells us he was righteous and devout. That he is an example of what it looks like to trust God in his life in all seasons. To show up in worship. To show him in the midst of adversity. And what... We find he's waiting for is not just for himself, but for his people, is consolation of Israel. Consolation is not a word we use that often, right? The Greek, which I think I might have up here for you, is pericleson. And there's a couple words for it, which is consolation, restoration, comfort, the solace which comes from being called near. And for me, what consolation is telling us is this is this is the comfort that comes from being restored. That Simeon, like, like many people around him, knows that there has been a new comfort promised through the Messiah, through Christ's coming. He knows that this is promised, a hope that will come to pass. And he's oriented his entire life around getting this right, waiting to see, waiting to see what exactly will happen. And he's been waiting. And his, the wonder of that wait, he's not just, oh, this is something that will come to pass. I won't, I won't have to really kind of do any work with it. All the language around Simeon tells us that he is filled with the Spirit. The Spirit is upon him. He is listening to the Spirit. It's a waiting that's moved by the Spirit. If you read verse 26, it tells you a little bit more. It had been revealed to him by the Holy Spirit that he would not die before he had seen the Lord's Messiah. And so, Simeon is listening, and he's caught up in this time of waiting for Jesus to come. And I think for many people, this is where I think it really applies to us. Many of you have some kind of relationship with Christ. You know who he is and what he's promised you. And there are aspects of that that you think, you know, I've I've gotten that comfort. I know, I mean, Christmas is great. I get to remember Jesus being born. But how do I bring that into my life more? And that's where the wonder piece comes in. Because it is a wonder actually believing that, well, God is beautiful. The world is beautiful. And I might... Not experience, I might have to deal with some struggles in my life, some hardships. But there is comfort, restoration for those of us who behold and wait on God with wonder. The problem that we often face is this. That oftentimes we, we need comfort, we need satisfaction, we don't want to wait for it. And so we actually miss out on what God has for us. I think about, I went to Gold Bar yesterday, just walking around. The, the past few days have been beautiful in Edmonton. The frosty trees, everything sticking to everything—it just looks beautiful. And I went out with my kids, and I hope they experienced it because oftentimes they're just jumping in snow piles. But you, you, you know, you look at this and you think, "Wow, I could just—I could miss it. I could have stayed home. I could have stayed inside where it was warm, but not actually go out in." behold the beauty and wonder around. Sometimes in our life we become jaded, we become distracted, and we even are very aware of our own pain and struggles. And we think, wow, you know, I'm not going to get out and trust God and look up to what is going on around me because I'm stuck in my pain. I'm stuck in my struggles. If Simeon was this way, He would have missed seeing Jesus, missed the prompting of the Spirit to actually show up at the temple. And not just show up at the temple, but to see Christ who was born days ago. And not only that, but he gets to hold him and say, this is the the king I was waiting for. He beholds the king and he receives the comfort and consolation in part of what was promised. The first way to wait with wonder in Jesus is to seek his comfort in Christ. The second way, so Simeon gives us a couple different ones that's helping us understand what waiting in wonder might look like for you or for any of us. Waiting with wonder, it blesses the world. Look at verse 28. So this is the moment where not Simeon's been prompted. He was, you know, maybe he was at home, but he's prompted to go to the temple where, where people of God are, and maybe he goes there often, but he goes there and he sees Mary and Joseph. He sees Jesus, and he immediately knows who Jesus is. And this is what Simeon does and says in verse 28. Simeon took him in his arms and praised God, saying, Sovereign Lord, as you have promised, you may dismiss your servant in peace. For my eyes have seen your salvation, which you have prepared in sight in the sight of all nations, a light of revelation to the Gentiles, the glory of your people, Israel." What he's saying here, it, it, it's described as a song, and it's described as a prophecy. This kind of blessing that Simeon shows us when you're thinking about, wow, when I'm waiting on God and trying to wait with wonder. You know, it actually blesses people. If, you, if you're around someone who's filled with wonder, they bless the people around them. I think about my kids who like scrambled to tell people around them about the kids, the toys they got around Christmas. There's this joy of a child telling you, I got this thing, I have to show you. You know, this is the wonder that I'm talking about. That I have seen something so precious that my soul is stirred, and I just need to share it. And it not only shapes me as a person who is receiving that blessing, but it shapes the people around me. It shapes how I relate to people. The blessing that Simeon is talking about is the blessing that involves a removal of the curse of sin. The curse of darkness, the curse that is separating people from God. He now says after he's seen Jesus, this light is shining for everyone. He's seen Jesus, and now he says, I can rest. You can dismiss me, Lord, in peace, for your promise has come. This song that Simeon says... It's like he's joining, if you look up earlier in chapter 2, you see what the angels say. He's joining the chorus of the angels saying, Glory to God in the highest, on earth peace to those who his favor rests. He's joining that chorus the angels are singing. And this is, he's, he's singing a song about how God is saving the world. God has saved the world. He's blessed the world. And he's done this through a child that Simeon is seeing is just being born. How God's blessing has always worked is that God intends for his people to be a blessing for the world. You can look at Genesis 12, and you know this. This is when God is making a pact, a covenant with Abraham. And this is exactly the words that God says to Abraham, which are true for how we experience blessing and should share it. I will make you into a great nation. I will bless you. I will make your name great, and you will be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you, and whoever curses you, I will curse you. And all the peoples on earth will be blessed through you. This is a blessing for the world, and Simeon is receiving it. He's seeing it. This is this child I'm holding, a blessing for the world. It's a blessing for me, and it's a blessing for you. It removes the curse, and the blessing also what it does, and this is what Simeon gets to when he talks to Mary and Joseph next, it reveals what is true. True blessings are not just things that are pats on the back. They're not just things that make us feel warm and good. True blessings reveal what is true. If you look at what Simeon says next, you can hear this. Mary and Joseph, they're marveling at what Simeon's saying. He's like, how do you know all this about this, our son that was just born? And he gives them a warning, and you can see it in verse 34. Then Simeon blessed them and said to Mary, his mother, This child is destined to cause the falling and rising of many in Israel, to be a sign that will be spoken against, so that the thoughts of many hearts will be revealed. You know, the world doesn't know what's going to happen for this child that was just born for them, but we kind of do if you've read the Bible. And it's that Jesus will speak hard words of blessing, of revelation. And it will draw people close to him and it will also just as easily push people away because it reveals, his words reveal, his blessings reveal who is actually clinging to their own stuff, their own power more than they actually want the king to come for them. They are caught up in feeling lost and holding tight to their means, to their gifts, their resources. And those things are not wonder. Wonder is the opposite of pride in a lot of ways, because pride, if you're prideful, you feel like you have it figured out. Wonder is the softness of realizing that, no, I don't have it all. I can behold the beauty and goodness and blessing of God, and that's when you start to experience the Spirit. You start to be open to what God is going to have for you in this next year, as opposed to insisting, I'm going to make this year exactly what I want it to be. That God has far better plans for you than anything we can come up with for ourselves. And Simeon, too, I think this is what Mary and Joseph are marveling at. He was prepared in this moment for the miracle of the promised Messiah to come right on the temple doors. He knew he was going to be there. Simeon was ready for that. He was ready for Christ to be carried into his life and for this promise to be fulfilled. And I guess my question is, do do you actually trust that God is going to meet you where you are? Have you been discouraged and jaded so much to the point that you're not even looking around anymore? You think, I'm just going to go through the motions. I'll go ahead and tell you that's not what God wants for you this year. That he wants you to be open to what he has for you. He wants to bless you, but to receive that blessing, you will need to wait with wonder. The third thing, the first is that if you wait with wonder, consolation and comfort comes with that. The second is that waiting with wonder is a blessing to the world. It's a blessing to you. If you're filled with wonder, you're going to bless people around your life. But also the third is waiting with wonder shapes people for grateful witness. Waiting with wonder produces this kind of grateful witness. And I think about this more with Anna. That's the next person, not Anna, Anna in case you were listening. Um, Because I think about the gospel, everything that's about to take place in Jesus' life on earth, and so many religious people don't recognize Jesus for who he is. They don't see him for who he is. They're kind of caught up, and they're going by the motions. They're busy trouncing around town, wanting to be seen themselves. I'm thinking about the Pharisees. Whereas here in this chapter, Luke 2, we have people like Simeon and a and a person like Anna, who are so ready to see Jesus, ready to see him and recognize him the moment he pops in front of them. And so we look at Anna, and you, verse 36 on is what describes Anna. Anna is a prophet. We also learn she's a widow. The way the verse reads is she's either been a widow for 84 years or she's 84 years old. Either way, that's either maybe 105 or 84. Either way, she's, she's well into her life. She's seen a lot. She's gone through many different seasons. And how the verse describes her is she is a person who is always at the temple. Her life is at the temple. It's interesting because there's been about 100 years in the time of Israel that there hasn't been a prophet. There hasn't been someone calling people to repentance because it's been a time preparing for John the Baptist and Jesus. There hasn't been a prophet and yet Jesus comes, and here you go. We have another prophet, Anna the prophetess. In verse 37 is what we learn about her. She never left the temple but worshiped night and day, fasting and praying. It's almost, she never missed a Sunday service. But it's more than that. It's not just, oh, I showed up at this scheduled time. She's committed her entire life to a way of being dedicated and consecrated to God. All these things that it describes, prayer and fasting, they're above the norm. Actually, even though the Bible talks a lot about fasting as a practice, when you look at the Israelite way of life, it's pretty countercultural. Because so many of, think about all the meals in the gospel that Jesus has. There's not a lot of fasting going on if you think about it. There's a lot of celebration, and yet she's committed to a way of life that involves prayer and it involves fasting. And this is how she waits with wonder, and what it does for her is it produces a grateful witness. If you read the next verse, you you hear what happens when she sees Jesus, what happens naturally out of her. Verse 38: Coming up to them, she sees them at the very moment, she gave thanks to God and spoke about the child to all who were looking forward to the redemption of Jerusalem. She doesn't even need to be explained. She sees Mary and Joseph walking in with Jesus and she thinks, Wow, this is the one we're all waiting for, people. He is the king. And her response, you can just see that in the, in the verse. She gave thanks to God, immediately to God. Immediately, I give thanks to you. I got to behold you coming to save your people. Thank you, Lord. And it doesn't just stop there, a grateful witness expressing gratitude to God. She gives gratitude by sharing it to everyone around her. She goes, I, we need to tell people that the promised Savior has come, and he's going to bring redemption to Jerusalem and to the world. And so what I, you know, as you think about these different people, Simeon and Anna, taking them into your week, taking them into your year, think about how they model lives of dedication, of what it looks like to focus on Jesus. Some of us have good rhythms in place for how we follow Christ in our lives, practically, whether it's daily prayer, reading, Sabbath, rest, ways that we intentionally serve the people in our lives, ways that we practice grace in costly ways. Our tendency is much more easy. We tend to actually more cling to bitterness than to let it go. We tend to remember the things that were hard as opposed to expressing gratitude for the good. Wonder, which I see Simeon and Anna showing us, wonder makes us grateful. It allows us to see and admit to ourselves the true majesty of who God is. Wonder shapes everyday people like Simeon and Anna towards grateful witness. It shapes them for it. You don't just put on a show of like, I'm just going to thank everybody in my life today. No, it, it should naturally come out of, no, I'm genuinely grateful for the people in my life. I'm grateful for my friends, my family, my job. But I'm also really grateful that I'm not living a meaningless life. I'm living a life that is steeped in the purpose that God not only has saved me, but he has called me to be a light unto the world. And I will share that word. I will share that with the world. If I could just sum up some of these things, like we sustain waiting by wonder. You think of what you might be waiting for in your life, you know, whether it's the season to roll over to something new, whether it's a new job opportunity, or you just flat out just want to get on a better path and you're not on a good one it will still involve waiting striving enduring but don't do it without wonder wonder is beholding who god is how beautiful he is what he's done for you and every day you come back to it and look at that yep that's still true every day you still come back to it and you say this is still true every day you come back to it and say yes this is still true Eugene Peterson has a great quote. He kind of makes it for me, really. But he says this, Without wonder, we approach spiritual formation. That's the process of being formed like Jesus. We approach it like a self-help project. We employ techniques. We analyze gifts and potentialities. We set goals. We're all setting goals right now. We assess progress. But spiritual formation then gets reduced to cosmetics, that's just what it looks like on the outside. Without wonder, the motivational energies in spiritual formation get dominated by anxiety and guilt. Anxiety and guilt restrict, and they close us in our, ourselves. They isolate us with feelings of inadequacy and unworthiness. They reduce us to ourselves at our worst. Spiritual formation is distorted into a moral workaholism and a pious athleticism. I'll unpack this quote a little bit because there's a lot of words. If you go into this new year just thinking, this is what my life is supposed to look like, what I'm supposed to do, and you just try to do that apart from Christ, you try to do that apart from patience, you try to do that apart from wonder, it will produce anxiety for you. It'll produce guilt in you every time you fail, every time you fall short to what you think you're supposed to be. But if you do it in wonder and you do it in Jesus it is a grace-filled goal. It is a grace-filled invitation. Wonder is the childlike overflow of grace. I think about kids because I have kids in my house every day, and I'll say that this has probably been the best week of my entire year just because I played with a bunch of my kids. Like, I had so much fun with my kids this week, but all kids and healthy kids, we teach them wrongly very early, but they find grace and they live in wonder because of what is present to them, not because of what they think should be. They live in wonder not because of what is around them. There's a snowy tree. Not because of what they think should be or what they think they should be. We very easily become people riddled with guilt, riddled with shame. I, my life is supposed to be this way. I should be doing this. And I'm just not good enough. We feel those things. That that is not grace talking. That is anxiety and guilt talking. Wonder overflows when you realize that your grace has been given to you. That Jesus has been presented to you. That you would follow him. That you would stand at the gate and wait for him. And when you see him, you'd recognize him and trust him and share that word to the people around you. And I don't want you to hear me say that rhythms and patterns are not good. But don't do it without wonder. Look at your life Get as practical as you possibly can. How do I be a person like Simeon and Anna where I'm at the temple gates, ready to see Jesus every single day of my life? How do I do that and be a person of wonder and wait even when it's really hard? But don't do it because you feel like you're supposed to be someone that God has not already seen in you, someone who he's, he has already loved, who he's already welcomed. Don't get lost in the guilt and shame that you're not good enough because that's not how God sees you. Jesus gives us wonder because he is the source of all wonder. I'm going to invite our worship team to come up to help us in thinking through this and responding. If you think about the three things, these are the things that I would encourage you to pray about, to think through. You know, waiting with wonder. You might not be a person that that lands. How do I wait with wonder? How do you wait on the Lord this year? And there are those three qualities that if you're waiting with wonder, it brings out comfort. You think about being restored to God. The first step is being right with God, to being the person who recognizes Jesus when he's moving around you in your life. The next part is that when you wait with wonder, you see God's blessing. It's not just for you. It's for the people around you. And then the last thing is that when you wait with wonder— it produces this gratitude. Every day we should be grateful for what God's doing in our lives, and that gratitude should move and overflow into every single person's life around us. And for 2023, I invite you to wait with wonder, but to wait especially in Jesus because he is with you and he loves you, and he will ultimately lead you to where he wants you to go. Please pray with me. So Father, I um, help us to wait, Lord, I think I just want to pause for a moment. Um, And I just want to invite you to speak to any of us in this room, Lord. What do you want us to wait with wonder on for you? Lord, reveal to us what is enough, what is good. Lord, we confess the many things that we've desired and been jealous for. We confess the fact that there have been times when we've been checked out, we've been jaded. And instead, Lord, I pray your Holy Spirit would move us to be at the temple, to behold you presenting yourself to us. And I pray we would be in open hands to receive you, not just today, Lord. I just pray every day, Lord, would be this receiving, would be this waiting with wonder. I pray you'd help us to behold you, to see how beautiful all you are, how much you love us, how much you care for us, how much you are with us in all seasons of life. Lord, help us to wait with wonder. I pray this in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen.